My name is Jane Borowski, host of Invisible Tears. This podcast will be about my story and my words, talking about my own personal experiences and self-healing. I do not claim to be a therapist, counselor, or a licensed psychologist. Hello, my name is Amanda Bedard, and I'm the co-host, producer, and editor of Invisible Tears. I'm a Reiki master, certified professional life coach, spiritual coach, wellness coach, and a counseling practitioner. Some of the content you will hear in this podcast may be disturbing to some. Viewer discretion is advised, but it is our hope by putting this information out there that we may help others to heal. We will always be a platform for truth and healing. Brought to you by Glassbox Media, this is Invisible Tears. Welcome to Invisible Tears. Yes, I have glasses on. (laughs) For those of you that are watching visually, there's Jane's glasses. They're for reading. And I'm going to do a lot of reading with this episode. Today, me and Amanda are going to be talking about a march that we are putting together that we're going to be doing up in Concord with some amazing people. Julie Murray, uh, Maura Murray's sister, and uh, Trish Haynes' aunt and her advocates. So as Jane, as you just mentioned to our audience, we're so honored to be combining forces with all of these amazing advocates. Um, Just ideas that we had put out there has really snowballed and turned into this amazing creation. And we have actually formed a coalition. We have. And we're extremely excited about it. Um, And while we haven't completely landed on a final name. It is a New Hampshire coalition and it is for the unsolved missing and murdered. And we're joining forces to demand answers from the state's attorney general, John Formella, and New Hampshire public officials. With over 130 active missing persons cases and murder cases that remain unsolved in New Hampshire, our coalition of families are insisting that the attorney general take action. The stagnation of the investigations, communication gaps, and shared sense of apathy is what joined all of us together. The group will gather at the Attorney General's office at 33 Capitol Street in Concord on August 15th of this year, 2023. All families, advocates, and supporters are welcome to attend. So some of the grievances that we're going to be hopefully discussing with them up there will be um, no case updates. There's like no communication between families and victims and and the AG office. We don't ever have follow-ups. I can't count how many times we do emails and calls um, that are completely unanswered. We leave messages, they go unanswered. We also are finding that there's potential evidence and witnesses and leads not followed up. We want some answers on that. For example, Trisha's case, the family had found a smashed phone, potential evidence. It was offered to the law enforcement to come pick up, and uh, they never picked it up. The family still has this smashed phone for Trisha's case that could possibly solve her case. Mora Mora's uh, family has a 
bloody knife, carpet. Um, Cadaver dogs have alerted on several things. The family has submitted all this stuff for testing, and they still have no answers on results. The Connecticut River Valley cases, you know, these cases are some of them 40 years old, and they're unable to determine who has these cases, who's investigating them. Is it the cold case unit? Is it the AG office? Is it the state police? It took me well over a month, and I still really don't know who is handling my investigation. I have people that come to me all the time with possible information, and I don't even know where to send them anymore to pass this information on to authorities. So um, that is definitely a grievance that I want addressed. Change in lead investigators without notifying families. I mean, there'll be a whole new investigator taking the case over, and the families aren't even notified. These families should be notified of everything that is going on, any change made in their loved one's cases. Some like myself, have no victim advocate assigned. I was never given a victim advocate. I know all the family members that we've talked to with all the Connecticut River Valley cases, none of them have been approached or notified by any advocate, which just is astonishing to me. And then Trisha's family and Julie, they keep getting new advocates because the advocates that they've had are leaving. They've left. So they end up with a new advocate. They try to notify this advocate through emails and they get no responses. Um, So that's another grievance that we're going to be hopefully talking to them about. And the other thing is Not only myself, but Julie has been trying to get access to our case files. Now, in New Hampshire, you are allowed access to your case files or the family has access to the case files of their loved ones if the case goes cold and is is not being investigated. So they play this, and I'm going to call it what it is, they play this little game where they hide behind this active case status, like making sporadic or unmeaningful actions to justify the cases are active. For instance, Julie will call them looking for updated info, either to the AG office or through her advocate, and all they have to say is it's an active case and they don't have to share anything. This is the little game they play. Because if a case goes cold, you have access to all this information. You have access to their case files. So that's kind of frustrating because I feel like if you have access to these case files, and I'm not talking about like specific things, they can always redact some stuff or send the case file but leave stuff out that is pertinent to the case with solving the case and let the families be able to see this information and maybe jog some memory, you know, or share some of this information with the media. And maybe somebody will say, I have information on that. You know, 
and come forward with some really important information that could possibly lead to solving the, these cases. So they play this little game with, oh, it's an active case, and as long as they tell the family or they've told me, then I don't have myself or Julie's family doesn't have access to the case files. That needs to change, and uh, that is one of our grievances. I'll give you another example of what they did. This is how much they try to keep information to themselves and doesn't want anybody to know anything, which I don't understand why, but this is what they do. The Haynes family, they found Trisha's remains. They notified the family and requested the family to keep the discovery of the remains quiet for over a year. So for over a year, people still thought Trish Haynes was missing, when in all actuality, they did find her body. They did not want the public to know. The Haynes family finally, finally said, nope, we're going public with this. We want people to know that Trish's body was found, and hopefully somebody will come forward with information pertaining to that. That was a whole year of people thinking she was still missing. That had real important information to share with authorities that probably could have been really good evidence to put, we already know the two people in jail and charge them for Trisha's murder. When Trisha's family told me about that, I was in shock. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, these are some of the grievances we want to bring up as we're doing the march. I'm hoping that we will see some kind of improvements with communication with them after this. Yes. I feel like if they hear our concerns and our grievances, maybe they'll change some of the things that they're doing or not doing. Absolutely. That is really the hope. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. And now back to our episode. So really the goals of this initiative can be summarized into four different sections, basically, right? First we have, we're raising awareness. Many cases have received no coverage or exposure. This effort will help bring those victims into the public consciousness to promote a renewed focus on these investigations, right? So we got number one, that was raising awareness. Number two, reforming the victim advocacy program. Jane, you so eloquently just explained how broken it really is. So victims and families often do not know who is in charge of their cases and find their inquiries go unanswered. And quite honestly, they end up trying to actually just exclude the victim advocate altogether. Or in your case, Jane, you were never even assigned one or neither were the rest of the families of the Connecticut River Valley victims, right? So this lack of assignment or lack of contact with these victim advocates is unacceptable. The program is essentially ineffective. To the families, this is the bare minimum. Third goal, improve communication with investigators. Advocates and families regularly send in leads and tips, but are met with silence without even an acknowledgement of receipt. 
Families understand the complexities and ongoing nature of these investigations and are not seeking to jeopardize law enforcement proceedings by any means. However, they will no longer tolerate being completely ignored. As you so nicely put, Jane, you don't even know where to send these people that are physically showing up to your house, right? When given a tip, there's, you know, some sort of piece of information, some sort of piece of evidence, just the complete lack of respect and completely ignoring these pieces. It's unacceptable. There needs to be communication. And the fourth goal, securing justice for the victims. So the ultimate goal is to achieve justice for these unsolved cases and bring resolution to the families left behind in the wake of all of these tragedies. Believe me, unfortunately, New Hampshire has way too many of them. This will take more understanding, cooperation, and communication between investigators and the victims and the victims' families. So that is our summarized four goals. Honestly, I'm hoping more people come forward, more families of victims come forward and say, we're experiencing the same thing with the authorities up in Concord with the advocacy, with the AG office. Because honestly, I thought that I was the only one until we started talking to Julie uh, about Maura's case. And then we ended up meeting with Trish Haynes' family and her advocates. And we very, very quickly realized that these aren't isolated cases that are not being properly looked at by the authorities in Concord. You know, we're just asking for acknowledgement. We're just asking for a little bit of empathy too. You know, answers. I'm very open-minded. I I am very well aware that, okay, some of the cases of the Connecticut River Valley are 40 plus years old. Am I expecting them to just jump on board and just use all their resources and solve these cases? No. You know, it'd be nice, but I'm not expecting that. But what I am expecting is some real positive communication between them and myself. I just don't want these unsolved cases to be forgotten. There needs to be change. Yes. And I think that's one of the main reasons why we are bringing awareness with this march is change needs to be made. There has been no change at all for 40 years. They need to um, really look at the AG office, the code case unit, and the victim advocates office and... um, They need to make some changes with how they're performing their jobs. But we're also hoping that more people will come forward, want to join us with the march, share their stories. And I'm not saying just share your stories with us on our podcast. I mean, going to the Capitol, sharing your concerns, share your family's, your, your loved one's story and say, you know, my loved one, her case or his case is unsolved. It's not getting the attention it should be. I have zero communication with the AG office and the advocacy, and it needs to change. Hopefully, we get more families 
involved and come forward and want to join us with this march because, uh, I mean, we are seriously putting together a group that is extremely strong and just want answers. We're looking for resolution. Where do we send these cases? Who is investigating these cases? I mean, I'm sure there's a family out there with a loved one that's either murdered or missing that their case is unsolved, and I'm sure they want answers too. So we are going to be doing periodic updates. Um, We're going to be posting about the march, uh, the information that we have right now on um, all our social media, like our Facebook and our our, uh, website. If you have questions or or concerns or or anything like that, email us, uh, message us. We're going to be updating it a lot throughout the next few weeks um, on more details on the march. Um, And we just, we hope that people can join. Yeah, we're definitely hoping to have a lot of support there. And I mean, if you are hearing this and you've been through the same experience with the state of New Hampshire, the very, very broken system that we have outlined that exists in the state of New Hampshire, please do not hesitate to reach out to us. We would love to talk to you. And even if you haven't experienced this personally um, for yourself or because of a loved one or a friend, and it just, you know, pisses you off or you're just absolutely appalled at some of the grievances we have outlined and some of the experiences Jane has shared, please come and support. Please come and just support. The more people that we have, the more our voices will be heard. And while we haven't created a website per se for this uh, yet, we have created a specific email. So if people have specific questions about the March or want to reach out specifically about that, the email that we created is newhampshireunsolved at gmail.com. And we'll make sure and put that in our show notes as well. Yes. Thank you, Amanda. So we seem to be talking a lot about two specific cases, uh, Maura Maura's case and Trish Haynes case. We have done episodes on both their cases. So if you, um, you're not familiar with their cases, go back and listen to their episodes. We did a wonderful interview with Chloe. She's an advocate for Trish. Uh, Trish's case is just, I have no words. It's frustrating. And, um, Mora Mora, we had Julie on. Uh, she's an amazing woman. We did an episode with her. So, um, yeah, go back, listen to the episodes, and we will definitely do more updates on the march. And we hope that you'll join. We're coming out in full force with this one, guys. We are. Show up with us. I have some badass women marching with me. <laughs> I don't think I've ever felt so empowered as I do with this march, with us going and doing this march. I feel almost as if throughout the years, I've kind of just been obviously ignored by the authorities, but also just like almost put to a side and just ignored, not listened to. And I just feel so empowered right now where we're marching up there and we are going to be listened to. We want to be heard and I believe we're going to be heard uh, one way or another. I agree. So for our updates, stay tuned. We hope you join us. We could definitely use the support.
Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Invisible Tears. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast to hear all future episodes. Click into our link tree too in the episode description to find and follow us on all our social medias. And it also links to our website, invisible-tears.com, where you can keep current on any events that may be coming up, read more about Jane and the team, and read more about all the Connecticut River Valley unsolved cases. If you want to learn more about my wellness practice, Guided Path Wellness, head to guidedpathwellness.org. There you can read more about me and my certifications, more about the Reiki and coaching services I offer both in person and remote, and read all about my products for sale that I make through the practice. Feel free to utilize the contact us section on the website with any questions or utilize that free 15-minute consultation booking button if you have any questions about what might work for you. Evil may exist in this world, but we will not let it win. See you next episode.